welcome back to another episode of Safe and Effective, the Medical Human Factors Podcast. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt of the previously recorded Human Factors Cast show, in which Nick Rumi and I discuss the various ways in which our neurodiversity impacts our lives. From professional to personal relationships, day-to-day tasks, as well as how we see the world through our neurodivergent eyes. Nick and I, of course, go off on many side tangents, as ADHDers would, and even take a sharp left turn and dive into the deeper meaning of unconditional love, how we personally define it, and how we have learned and experienced it. During this time of year, many people struggle, especially the ones in the neurodivergent community. When everyone's focus is to come together and travel to where we belong, it is easy to get lost and feel alone and isolated. My vision for today's episode is simple. Sit back, relax, enjoy our chaotic and oftentimes, let's face it, hilarious conversation about anything and everything and know that you're not alone in your neurodivergent mind. And please remember, you are worthy of love, you are enough, and your neurodivergent mind does not make you a burden to anyone. And for all the neurotypicals listening out there, I hope you enjoy our beautiful zigzag conversation about how our mind works and processes things. And maybe, who knows, you learned something today that will allow you a new or even changed perspective and enable you to connect deeper with the neurodivergent people in your lives. And now, please enjoy Nick and I's very typical ADHD all over the place, wonderfully and deeply amusing chat on our own day-to-day neurodivergent experience. Okay, presumably we're back. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Uh, hi everyone. It's, it's been a minute and there's some reasons for that. I was going to say good reasons. They're not great reasons, but we're back. (laughs) So we're back. We're back. And hopefully as we go live on all the platforms, if you're joining us, we're taking a little bit different approach tonight. We're not recording a traditional episode tonight. We're just kind of doing a hangout. We're just kind of getting ourselves back out on the air back out in the public domain after sort of a month-long hiatus after HFES. We got back and then I got some news, which I'll give a prepared statement here in in just a minute here, kind of explaining our absence over the last couple of weeks. A lot of it is on my part, but that's hard to talk about publicly. I'm already kind of struggling with it, but... uh, Well, anytime you need help, let me know. (laughs) Thanks, Heidi. Appreciate that. (laughs) All right. So again, if you're joining us, thank you for joining us. I guess I can start with this one just so everyone's on the same page as to why there's been a little bit of an absence. Okay. All right. This is uh, tough. All right. So it's no secret that we've been off air since HFES. And I wanted to give an update to everyone to let you know why it's been so quiet on my end, specifically lately. Life has thrown a few curveballs at me. I was caught up in the tech layoffs right after HFES. So I unfortunately didn't get the opportunity to present myself in a manner in at HFES that would indicate that I am looking for work. However, any of you 
want to work with me, I'm on the market and I'm happy to have those conversations. <laughs> so please reach out on a even more personal note, right, right after HFES, I think it was like beginning of November, the tech layoffs happened. I was affected. And then I got COVID right after that. And so it was kind of like a one, two. And then the more personal note, it was some really tough news about um, one of my furry friends. And if I get a little emotional here, you know, it's hard still. We're still kind of dealing with this, but she was only seven. And um, we found out she had cancer, an inoperable tumor. So we had to kind of make the choice to say the hardest kind of goodbye. So from my end, it's been a lot to process, as I'm sure any of you listening can imagine and appreciate, understand. I know our listeners are incredibly generous and empathetic. And I, I truly, for everyone who's reached out, thank you. That's meant a lot to me, but kind of needed to put the pause on creating and put a little bit more emphasis on other parts of my life that I think needed a little bit more time and attention. So thank you for sticking with me, sticking with us through the silent patch. Um, like I said, in many of the chats that I've sent out, your support is incredibly important to us. And I promise we're going to be back at this and we're going to try to get you more content now that things have settled down a little bit. And so hopefully we can have you all along for the ride. And with that being said, I just want to take a quick mention since we haven't really recapped HFES in any official capacity yet. A lot of you stopped by the podcast booth while you were there and let us know your stories about how the podcast has affected your life. I know some of you stopped by and said, you're in my ears every weekend when I'm doing landscaping and when I'm on runs or help me through a tough time when I didn't quite know what to do professionally. And I just want to say all those stories are the reason why I keep doing this. And the reason why I try to get to the microphone every week is because the community is just awesome. So thank you everyone who stopped by. And just on a personal note, hope that everyone listening to this message right now is well and treating yourself with kindness and respect the way that you should treat yourself with kindness and respect. So, I mean, that's kind of my prepared statement. So kind of brought the mood down <laughs> we're, we're back with more more happy um happy music maybe all right so th that was it <laughs> that's why we've been gone well let's just also say that not everything needs to be happy no life, no um life happens and there is no need to put on masks we put on enough masks all the time especially you and i we always have to live with a mask. So sometimes just being real and showing emotion, I think, is perfectly acceptable. So thank you for sharing with us, Nick. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's been a tough time. And mask is half up right now in terms of putting on that persona, the voice. The right? voice. <laughs> the podcast voice. Oops, something so, went wrong. Try reloading the page. Oh, boy. You're already getting those, huh? Well, it went away. So can we just choose to ignore it? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm fine with ignoring it if you are. Yeah, it's just saying I should reload my page. Oh, oh. But I'm ignore. I'm choosing to ignore. It's a lot about choices today. <laughs> choices, yeah. Choices. A lot of choices today. I drove to New York and back today. 
Okay. So. And for anyone lacking the context of how far a drive that is or. Oh, um, well, for the average citizen, <laughs> it's probably four hours. For Heidi, it's about three. <laughs> oh, right. One way. Because you don't, you don't listen to speed limits. That's right. It's not even speed limits. It's, I know what you're referring to. I know what the reference is on the joke is. It's, I've actually, you know, I, I'm a researcher. I can't stop researching stuff. And so I found out that you and I have talked about the ADHD road rage, but we also should talk about the fact that we are better drivers in general because we have such a weird relationship with our surroundings. We know what's going on at all times in our surroundings. So we just have this ability to always know where everything is at, at all times. And I noticed that that also leads me to flow in the traffic better a lot. I'm wondering, and sorry, you just sparked this really interesting thought when you said that. I'm wondering if there, I'm sure there has to be like scientific journal oh, articles is. on attention and situation awareness when it's situational with, awareness yeah, yeah. With we have a higher situational awareness and you throw in that i'm also autistic so then this whole thing of knowing at all times we're really bad at oh my god i'm gonna say the word wrong it's proprioception proprioception we're bad at determining where our body is uh -huh. in relation to surroundings. That is why we run into stuff all the time. The, and the we hips? Have these bruises. Yeah, the hip and the shoulder. I always have a bruise on either one or my knee. For anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, there's like shortcuts in our mind that we take and it has to do with navigational pathways that we see. We see a straight line versus other people see corners. When, when they see, we, we want to go from point A to point C without going to point B in the middle. And so what we do is we contort our body to move around yes. objects in our surroundings. Oh my and God, so, that's such a great explanation, Nick. So if you're walking around a kitchen counter or something, you might walk across the diagonal, but move your hips to the left so that the counter doesn't hit you. Doesn't always, it's not always successful, but that's well, what we're referring isn't. to. Right? That's why we love bruises so much. That's why you said bruises. <laughs> I mean, I always have one that I have no clue where it came from. No clue. Absolutely. I Because ADHD and memory, also not very great. So I will not remember that I ran into the door yesterday until if, if somebody saw it, then yes, they can point it out to me. But <laughs> if you're alone, nope. I have no clue. It's lovely too. We also are not risk averse. So I was hammering out the covering of my staircase and have a lot of house repairs going on. And I was pulling it down and, you know, I'm five foot two. And I'm not going to reveal my weight because I don't want to spark any body image issues, conversations. Not my thing today. That's not what we're here for. Nope, we're not here for that. But because of that, I use my body weight for a lot, right? So I just basically gripped on and just hung myself off of it, hoping that my weight would be enough to bring it down. It wasn't. And then I hung myself off of it. And of course, I came down and the thing came on to me. So 
I cut my knee. The thing landed hardcore on me and I couldn't walk for like half an hour. And then this morning, I mean, I was prepared for a big knee and it is playing mind tricks with me. It still looks very innocent, but it hurts so much. So I know it's going to be black, blue, yellow, green. I mean, purple. I mean, I love purple, but not in that way. So. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah. I snapped my knee on uh, getting out of the car the other day. and <laughs> That's age. That's not ADHD. That's age. I know. There was, there was a thing going around on social media a couple weeks back where it was like, can you, can you drop it like it's hot without your bones cracking? <laughs> Can you get low without your bones cracking? We had a family friend visiting at the time, and none of us could do it. I wish I could say I will. I wish I had more faith in it, but I don't think so. I really think my knees would crack. My knees, at a minimum. Yeah, it was, for me, it was my, my ankles. Ankle. Yeah, my ankle and my hip. Oh God, are we that old? I'm not. I'm going to live in denial, not to lose our listeners here because we are just chatting. But I really am appreciative that we're going to have just a chill because it gives us an opportunity to touch on a lot of things that we kind of have to put on the back burner a lot of times because, yeah. you know, well, it's not that we have to when they're bad topics or whatever. It's just that at the time we're talking about something else and we don't want to sidetrack too much. But it's very interesting how, I mean, the fact alone that you, I, and Barry, we're all neurodiverse. Yeah. And that's why we jive so well. I once read that neurodiverse people flock to each other. They don't even know why. It's because we have an instant understanding of each other. I mean, this is scientifically proven. When we talk about this stuff, we speak about it casually, but this is all stuff that we've read up on and we've experienced or our therapists or our doctors have told us or speaking with each other, we notice things. And it's so interesting. We have such a high empathy for being different that we do flock to people who just stand out. We don't know why at the moment, but you get closer with them and all of a sudden it gets revealed what's going on. And it's just very interesting for me to see how, if I really boiled it down, I think 90% of all people in my life are neurodiverse. There's only a subset who isn't. And that's the most interesting thing for me sometimes to realize that we feel so comfortable in our surroundings because we choose comfortable surroundings. And when we're not in those and we're not around people that do have the empathy for it, we struggle a lot more, which is why we struggle in the neurotypical world so much, I yeah. think. I think the understanding comes from a slightly privileged perspective where I, I, I absolutely agree there's this unspoken flocking, the sort of camaraderie, yeah, that you experience with another person that is not neurotypical. And the privilege I'm talking about here comes from a place of understanding and knowing, right? Before I had any idea of what was going on with myself, 
I didn't have enough empathy for myself. Everyone struggled through those same things. I'm learning, but I feel like when somebody explains that to me now, it is coming from a place where I am privileged with that knowledge of knowing yeah. what exactly that means. Like a da moment for you? Yeah. Like, I mean, of it's, course. In a lot of ways, it answers a question that what? set me off in the direction of psychology like way mm -hmm. long ago, right? Question mm -hmm. is, why did that person do that thing? And what was going on in their yeah. brain that made them make that poor decision? Um, yeah. And this is one of many answers, right? And it explains so much about decision-making for some people yeah. and less for others. But I think having that piece of knowledge is... It's so life-altering. Can be. It's transformative. For me, it was so transformative. 2023 is going to go down as one of the, how should I put this, most challenging, most difficult, most emotional, yet most beautiful, blossoming, revealing, transforming, new beginning in life almost, I feel like. Could you summarize that by a bookend? A chapter ending and a new book new beginning. beginning. Yeah. yeah. But I don't like the complete new beginning part because a lot of stuff that I've been learning over the years is just a continuation of progression, like evolving from it, learning from it and applying it and trying it out. And I got to admit, I tried out a lot of new things this year and it didn't work out, but I learned from them. And I think a couple of years ago, I found out about the ADHD and it helped a lot. I also have PTSD and there's a lot of similarities in it. And I wasn't aware of that. And because mm -hmm. of that, I focused too much on, <laughs> there we go, hyper-focus. Mm -hmm. But I focused too much on the ADHD and I lost the relation to trauma. And trauma response is actually very similar to ADHD in a lot of ways. So for me, it was a very murky and blurry area. I, I could understand why I was told I have ADHD, but I couldn't explain a lot of things in it. and. I kind of ignored that part, the trauma part. But then this year, I actually found out I'm also autistic. And that is the missing piece. That was the missing piece for me. Because while autism and ADHD have a lot of overlap, they're not similar. How they show, like it almost seems like they're similar, but they're not. Right? They're contradictory in many ways, too. Exactly. Bingo. Thank you. That word was what I was looking for. They're so contradictory because the ADHD person in me loves novelty. I get bored with, you know, things. And the autistic side of me needs the structure. It needs the same. Like I can eat the same thing for months. Months. Like I was obsessed mm -hmm. with tuna salad last year or the year before. I, <laughs> I think I ate a tuna fish salad every uh, sandwich every day. For me for right now, it's quesadillas. <laughs> <laughs> it's See, it's so easy. Two ingredients. I throw seasoning on it. Oh so my that, God. Yeah, yeah. And now, currently, I'm obsessed with meatless meat. Oh, like okay. trying yeah. everything out. What I like, what I don't like. I started that a long time ago, but I kind of gave up. And now I'm back to it because it lost kind of the taste for meat. That probably has to do with my taste buds changing a couple of years ago was very weird. 
But that's a whole different conversation that has to do with grief and PTSD. But the interesting thing is that, and I wonder if he went through this too, because you kind of elucidated to something that I was thinking, is that for most of my life, I just thought that those were personality traits, my character. I just thought that that was me. And, you know, it was a Heidi thing. And no, turns out it's not very unique. It's just ADHD things and autism, autistic traits. It's so stupid to wake up and all of a sudden go, oh, I don't know myself. I don't even know who I am. I'm not even authentically me. And I think that goes hand in hand with the ADHD person always feeling a little out of place, not really sure who they are. You really never know who you are because you're masking so much. And so I think that authenticity in our personality gets lost a lot. And I think we only really show it to people we truly, truly love and trust. The ones that give us a sense of safety, that we can be that. But then what's interesting is when they then reject you in an ADHD moment or when I have some of my autistic moments where I just cannot, I feel overwhelmed. And it's interesting how when you have that happen, the RSD, sorry, the, what does RSD stand for again? A rejection sensitivity is a disorder? Uh, dysphoria. RSD. Dysphoria. Rejection, Thank you. rejection sensitive dysphoria. Yes. And for everybody who doesn't really know much about that, so people with ADHD and autistic people have a higher sense of rejection. So the best example I can bring for that is even us not hearing back from somebody in a time that is usually their time span, let's say a text, right? And Sorry. you're in a conversation. <laughs> I, feel, I feel guilty for this one, but it's also not my fault. It's my phone. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> oh, with you, I'm used to it. <laughs> you and I are fine on this. Okay, great. But I am just saying it's an example to give because to most people, it's nothing. And to us, it can feel like the world is ending. Like we're being punished for saying something wrong. Like we said something to annoy you or that you didn't like or whatever. And now we fear that you hate us and you never want to speak to us again. And it sounds absolutely ridiculous. Even now, me saying it, not in the moment, sounds ridiculous. But when you trace it back to its root cause, then it completely makes sense because it is the part in us that has been rejected throughout life by everybody for being ourselves like when we are ourselves we get rejected we're either too much we're this we're that we're not enough we're lazy we're too direct oh my god how many times have I been told in my life that I'm too direct whatever and it's the autistic person in me just not being able to beat around the bush I don't know how to make things sound digestible if I want to tell you a fact or an observation, I'm just going to tell you that. And not every autistic person is the same. Let me also be very clear. Every autistic person is different, just like every ADHD or is different. For some, some things work and for some, some things don't like. You, you might it's say not... it, it depends. <laughs> it depends. It depends. But 
it's just interesting. In the beginning, you said something about observing people, right? Just having an interest in that. So I couldn't understand why I didn't have a thing like most how they portray it in the movies. So my therapist goes, Heidi, you're a behavioral researcher. People is your obsession. And I go, wait, what? Yes. Observing people and their behaviors can also be your thing. It doesn't have to be like they show in the movies, trains or numbers or this or that. It can be people. And you hit the nail on the head when you became a behavioral researcher. And I was like, damn it, why is she always right? <laughs> why is she always right? Why, why can't I be right sometimes? <laughs> I think there's a lot of parts in it. And I think when we mask to fit in, we become really, really, really masterful at it. I mean, at my age, I've become, I think I said that on my Safe and Effective podcast episode about failure. Masking is easy for me. Not masking is actually now a challenge. It used to be the other way around, and now I've become so good at it that masking actually mm -hmm. is way easier than not masking. Like being myself is a lot more difficult. Yeah, there's this concept of natural versus habitual uh -huh. um, states. Tell me more. Yeah, and it's like 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 if you think about your natural voice. My natural. Right. But, but I mean, like you think it is no, our natural voice is what we had when we were like two or three years old and didn't interpret every piece of feedback that we got about the way that we speak, the way that we talk, the way that we communicate Aww. with other people. And I had a cute voice then. There's this thing where even now I'm filtering the way that I'm speaking to you because I'm thinking before I speak, I'm choosing <laughs> my words. It's not my natural voice. It's my habitual voice it is the voice yeah. in which i have chosen to present on my behalf and so to get back to your natural voice the voice where you can be a little bit silly with it or i i've been slowly trying to work towards that point you know over the years in sort of a, a public setting with the podcast you know i'm silly on the podcast i goof around a little bit and that is my my true character. I think anyone who stopped by the booth at HFES would, knows I can be kind of a goofball in these settings. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah, I mean, anyone who stopped by probably saw that. But at the beginning, it was a it was a very different experience. It was like, yeah. oh, I must present myself in this way to be taken seriously. And that changed over time. So the natural versus habitual. The mm -hmm. mask that you're talking about is the habitual right not natural got it so you are slipping into that habitual state of putting the mask on and existing around other people do you think it's like the muscle memory thing yeah absolutely how we drive cars like we don't have to think about it we just do it and the habitual mask absolutely yeah everything more natural than being natural yeah, everything that happens over time is a result of direct feedback from other people. So if you didn't put on a mask and said something to somebody and they commented on that thing, you took that feedback, interpreted it and built it into your mask um, and built it into your habitual behavior that you exhibit around other people. And so it's absolutely 
something that is molded and defined over time. And that is why some of those things become easier over time to live in the habitual state versus the natural state is because you've learned what is perhaps more effective when communicating with other people. It's so fascinating to me. Every day I learn something about myself and every day I try something new. And on most days, <laughs> I feel like I fail. And which is such, I mean, pun, come on. I just did an episode on failure. Um, <laughs> can I share this story? Because I think this is, can I share the story about how that episode was edited and published? Is that okay if I share that? It's very embarrassing, but yeah. I, I promise think I'm confident I will. <laughs> enough for you to tell it because I know you're going to be kind towards me. I, I will be kind because yes. it was it was a great episode. And if you but haven't you listened. But you learned something about me. I did. And yeah. that is, you know, I learned this early on when we were collaborating on early safe and effective stuff of like how to communicate effectively and when to we are still basically learning our own routines for things and how to best communicate with each other. I think like we're, we're gelling now, like we're, we're great. But gelling. in the early days, there were a few things where I was definitely experiencing the RSD when you're like, no, no, wait, wait, stop. I need to, I need to think about this. And I'm like, oh, right. Shoot. I, oh man. Oh, I totally interrupted her. She's doing this thought. And as this episode, by the way, if you haven't listened to the episode, it's uh, what is it? Five on failure. It's the last one. It's the most recent one in the feed. Go listen to the episode Safe and Effective on Failure. Um, it's a great episode. Christy was a great guest. Christy so it's is not great. Just yeah. Me if, sitting on a soapbox, you know. Yeah. Any longtime listeners know Christy's been on this show before. Christy's a great person and it was a great conversation. And so as that episode was coming together, I found it interesting, Heidi, that the message that you wanted to present in that episode was that failure is an okay thing yes. to, to experience, to work through. And, and then my own failure got me. <laughs> but it comes back to that question, what is failure? Because I feel that your passion for the topic drove you to want to craft the perfect message yeah. so that other people... Don't can do what I did. <laughs> look into themselves and understand that failure is part of the process. And yep. I'm not being unkind here by saying you put a lot of time and effort into that episode. And I think yeah. during some of the last few edits in that episode, they were not synced across both of our editing platforms. Maybe you should explain to the listeners like so, technical difficulty where exactly. when I worked in it, it didn't sync to Nick. And then when right. he did something, it didn't sync to me. So we weren't listening to the same episode. Right. So Heidi told me it was ready. And I said, okay, great. So I took the episode, I published it. Heidi comes back a couple minutes later and says, what is going on? This is not the episode that we had crafted to put out. And I go, what? This is what I saw on my end. And so there was this technical difficulty that was kind of this breakdown. So in itself, that episode is a result of a failure of process, right? We didn't have a process established, but we caught it quick enough to still make sure that it hit the most ears with the correct version that Heidi spent so much time and effort crafting that message 
to be inspirational. So all I'm saying with that is that it's just a it's a funny story because we experienced failure in itself with that episode. Yes. <laughs> and um and RSD. And th- there were some stresses with that whole yeah. process, right? And I think now we've we've got lessons learned from that process and it was it was something that we needed to go through, I think. It's also interesting what you're saying is so right on the money, but let's throw the neurodiversity in there, right? I was so wrapped up in making sure that I always want to make sure my guests feel safe with me, that I put them in the light that they see themselves in. They, they're presented in the most favorable way. And that doesn't mean that they're not to begin with. It just means when you speak casually, you sound very different than when you craft what you just said, when you think before you talk. But sometimes in a conversation where both are very passionate about the topic, you can veer off and it can start to sound a little too casual and you go off tangent and you say, you mention insider things that the listener would never understand and feels left out and then it becomes boring or uninteresting. There's a lot that goes into this stuff. And so live shows, you go in with a completely different mindset. When you and I talk on your podcast and we do this live show, I approach it so differently. I craft the message in my head beforehand and I make sure that I put a filter on and I don't say any bad words and you know and that I don't say like a million times and write a million times and uh and uh and I really try not saying that I don't try on my podcast but it, <laughs> that sounded horrible but but, but it, with your podcast we can cut out all the racist <laughs> misogynistic, misogynistic sexist stuff you know you don't have to filter that before you <laughs> That was a joke. That was a joke. Oh my God. What if people cut off before you said it was a joke? Well. (laughs) But when I do my podcast, I want to give the guests the freedom to say whatever they want, how they want it, and in the time they want to. Sometimes the pauses are also too long. And so when I edit them, I edit them to represent the core of the conversation mm-hmm. in and, the message that I want to send. And I mean, it's not like it, this is not uncommon for podcasts. We do a very, not, I, I would say, non-traditional approach to the recording of Human Factors Cast where it's live. We can take in live feedback. It's a one and done recording. Sometimes there's like post edit on someone dropped and we got to cut out silence and whatever. That's fine. But it's not uncommon for podcasts to do exactly that because sometimes somebody yeah. needs to look up a fact or a question or a study or yeah. a document before they can answer something. And that's the type of stuff that we cut out in those because it's not fun to listen to someone. Oh, let me look at this document really quick. Right. And so I just wanted to bring that up because it was it's a funny story that yeah. the neurodivergence shone through Good during Lord, the production of that call. episode. After that, you know, it's uh, can I tell a little personal story? (laughs) Well, I thought all these stories were personal. Well, they are, but this one involves my son. (laughs) So I forget a couple days ago, he was just having really temper tantrumy day, and I was like, dude, you need to take a chill pill. And 
He's like, what does a chill pill look like? <laughs> and so I keep telling him that I'm actually not going to show them, but I have some medication here. I keep telling him, these are my chill pills. They're just painkillers. They're not like, they calm, they calm me down. <laughs> and so what I told him is that his vitamin is chill pill, right? And there was one day where he already had his vitamin. He's like, I want a chill pill. I'm like, <laughs> crap you already had your vitamin i don't want to give you more than the daily dose so i he might be listening but i tore off a piece of tortilla and just said here don't say it's so loud i'm talking into the mic i tore off a piece of tortilla and said okay here's your chill pill right <laughs> so i've just been giving him like random things as chill pills and it's it's funny because placebo is effective <laughs> yes and that's, Especially for children. Yes, that is why it's 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 hilarious. Um, you know, just feeding my son a piece, of, a tortilla piece will, of tortilla will, yeah, calm will him calm him down. down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting. And you can speak to this better than I can. I don't have children, but I bet being faced with temper tantrums like that when you yourself struggle with them due to ADHD is probably, I don't know. I, I do wonder if it's like a real life lesson, like, because it's been shown that ADHD moms are very overwhelmed because they get overwhelmed with it, right? In general, but mm -hmm. moms in general have a lot of overwhelm taking care of children because there's little empathy for moms in this world. But I think it's interesting because what your superpower actually is with ADHD is that we can think about a task for 12 hours and feel overwhelmed with it and suffer from task paralysis and can't get ourselves to do it, even though we know it only takes a minute. But when it is for your child, it's not an issue. You Sometimes. can do it. Sometimes. It, like the overwhelming comes from the constant asks. So it's it's not like getting somebody's water one time is too much or applying a band-aid to an owie is is not too much to ask. It's when it happens seven times in the same day. Okay. Yeah, that's when it becomes to be overwhelming. And you're absolutely right. Moms do a lot and just huge shout out to all the mommies. Yeah, because I mean and I'm not trying to put dads down, please. This is not what my point of this is. I'm just saying it takes so little for somebody to go, oh, what a great dad he is. Being present is that threshold for yes. people and in public And for moms, you know how little it takes for somebody to say, what a horrible mom? What a bad threshold, mom? yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so low. And I think that that is just... It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart how society is moving towards hating women more and more and more. And I think, I don't know if hating women is the right word, but has so little empathy for women. And the way, I mean, as a woman myself, <laughs> I can tell hundreds of stories of discrimination and challenges in my career and the misogyny in general, the patriarchy mm -hmm. and all that, we could talk about that for hours because we have enough for that. As a woman at my age, you have enough stories to tell. I think what 
really is breaking my heart though is so I am my god this is so personal but I think it's very important to talk about this because a lot of women feel like I do that we're alone with it um I got hit with perimenopause really 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 hard this year and completely unexpected because we don't talk about it women don't know I didn't even know it was a thing I didn't know perimenopause was a thing. I thought it was just menopause. I thought you just, right around that time, you start getting hot flashes and feel uncomfortable and are a little bit irritated and get a few headaches and that's it. No. It is. If I said it is the most debilitating thing I've ever experienced, it would still be an understatement. And I have PTSD and had a lot of trauma in my life and this is one of the most difficult thing I've ever had to go through and they say it can last 10 years or even longer I mean I'm really hoping that I'm shooting for the average here five to eight but um I got one year down and it came about because of Doctors not talking and doctors not taking me serious. And the reason why I'm bringing it up in this context is we were talking about women and the empathy for women and the empathy for moms. And like I was saying, I have stories to talk about patriarchy and misogyny and sexism and discrimination and all those things. But what I'm now discovering is another level of discrimination. I mean, the sheer vast amount of being told by medical professionals that it's all in my head is I it's I don't I don't get it anymore I mean I you're too young uh no I'm not research has shown that it is not uncommon for early 30s for women to start showing symptoms and mid 30s is actually average 35 to 37 is actually average. And at my age, to be told I'm too young for it is just ridiculous. And I keep getting told that there's no point in testing my hormones and it's in my head. And you already suffer from anxiety. I don't actually. It's a side effect of ADHD. Mm-hmm. But it was very, there was a boom moment this summer where I just, I couldn't understand myself anymore and it didn't make any sense. Like I had gained so much self-awareness and done so much research on ADHD and how to cope and how to, how to manage the emotional dysregulation that we go through a lot. And then all of a sudden it was like somebody ripped the rug out under from me. I, I was reacting to things that I usually wouldn't and it was very eye-opening because it was a lot physical too. Like you feel so foreign in your body. And so why I brought up this story is because we were talking about neurodiversity. And what I now am learning is that the correlation between hormones and ADHD and autism in general with neurodiversity, hormones, is it's like it's a driver. And so when you suffer from extreme perimenopausal symptoms like I am currently, it actually amps your ADHD. 
or whatever neurodiversity. I don't know of all of them, but I know that ADHD is highly affected by it. And so my memory has been shot and a lot of things are just completely out of whack. So it's almost like I'm relearning ADHD now being horm- hormonal mm-hmm. yeah. deficient. I'm relearning it all over again. And I'm relearning how to mask now with that added difficulty, yet trying to keep going what I was doing over the years, and that is trying to be more authentic, trying to be more vulnerable, trying to be more myself. And that's one of the reasons the failure podcast came to be learning how to accept failure in your life as a positive and try to keep that ambition of learning and progressing and evolving and growing with other people, growing relationships and not writing people off. I know that this society has become so, you know, by the way, Nick, let's talk about this. Yeah, lay, lay, lay it on us. I hate that we call it ghosting now. When I was growing up, we just stopped talking to people. It wasn't a word. And now, are you saying that the act of attributing a word to it is now uh, implying some intentionality behind it? Yes. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't make it good. It's horrible. Radio silence is horrible. It's such a cruel form of punishment towards people. I think it's very disrespectful. And I don't like how social media and the memes and all that say, you do you first. And if they wanted to, they would. No, as we're talking about this, I'm going to provide a suggestion that was given to me um, by a friend. And I'm going to take this suggestion to heart. And so look for a message from me. I don't know if you're friends with me or something. I'm going to do this on LinkedIn specifically with those types of contacts. But this could work for any type of Uh friendship that has been, I don't know, severed or, or ghosted. But basically, the thought here is at the end of every year, Go Uh and write an update on your life and send that message to everyone on your contacts list and just say something like, hey, friend, as we're wrapping up 2023, I just wanted to share a few updates. Here's what's going on in my life. Whether we talked last week or whether we talked five years ago, I just wanted to let you know what's going on and that I still think about you. This message is proof of that. And Keep me at the top of your mind. If you think of anything, would love to hear back from you, right? And I'm going to do that as it relates to LinkedIn for professional contacts and all that stuff. But you could do that with any relationship in your life. Hey, as the end of the year, I like to reflect. I know we haven't chatted, but you can make it a, a, a ritual every year to go through that process and provide that update to folks who maybe you haven't reached out to. So, you know what we used to call that? The annual family letter. Yeah. That's I used to get that in the Christmas cards. I used to. <laughs> this is this is so funny. What a cool way to update your people, your group, the people you care about in your life. What a cool way and so personal. And I showed it to my mom and she's like, are you trying to tell me that you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, I'm not a writer. You're the writer. 
so you write it, I'll sign it. And I'm like, yeah, and there she lost me because the ADHD or in me is not going to go through with it. So, <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't have to be long. Here's the thing is that it doesn't have to be long. And if it's overwhelming to you to send Dude. it to many people, just write a like a short thing, right? Hey, you friend. just told an ADHD it doesn't have to be long? <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. You know better. No, I don't. Because look, here's what We're I'm going to say. Saying, people. Hey, friend. As we wrap up 2023, I wanted to share a few updates. I just recently lost my job. And <laughs> it's all your LinkedIn contacts. I've, I've recently got my uh, BCPE certification for associate UX professional. And Congratulations. I, thanks. And those types of updates, right? And I'm why, right why now I'm... Tell me that. Oh, it's associate. So it's like the education requirement piece, right? You're, you're undermining it. I am, huh? I mean, totally pulling ADHD or here, you're totally undermining your accomplishment. Well, by the way, if you haven't listened to my conversation with Gene, go listen to that from HFES 2023 this year. <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, I sat down with Gene and talked about BCPE certification and sort of the benefits to doing it. And I didn't realize at the time that I had completed the education requirement and that there's a stepping stone certification called the associate versus the certified. And so I applied for it. Like literally after our conversation, I sat down there and was like, I've done this. Here's my transcript. Send it away. And now I'm associate UX professional, right? That's a certification that I hold. And human factors already. If you completed the education requirement, you can apply for it. Of course I did. I went to a human factors program. So, I mean, that's for anyone who hasn't. Now I'm in the process of getting my work samples together and then I'll need to study for the test and all that stuff. But, you know, you can say those things, getting back to the message and say, right now I'm focused on landing my next role in human factors and UX. And I sincerely hope that you'll keep me top of mind if you hear any opportunities. And I'd love to hear what's new from you if you have any updates that might need my support as well. So that's like the professional message that I'd send to LinkedIn folks. But... <laughs> Like to friends and family, I might send something different. Like, hey, everyone, I lost my job. And, uh, you know, if if I come crashing at your door, it's because, <laughs> you know, but I mean, you know, like I, might, knocking, I might provide. It's because I had to file for bankruptcy. It might be the more personal things, right? My son started preschool and he's gotten really good compliments about his math skills. He's already doing division and he's only four years old. Like it, it, those types of things. We're really proud of him. And uh you know, for us, we're saving towards a, a home and... Don't buy one. <laughs> I know, mean, here's some other... I've been going through. Yeah, I have. It's. I long for that. <laughs> you long for that? Oh, my God. What Look, is... I just want to get through the day without hearing my upstairs neighbor drop things 27 times in an hour like oh my he's god they're just banging away on stuff like you mentioned the mowers and i'd much rather take that than having stuff overhead no you won't. i'm not even joking you the loudest bangs that you've ever heard bang in the middle of the night i keep joking he's carting around dead bodies up there what are you doing how are you lugging these bodies around chopping them up that's what the loud bangs are there's i joke about it but i'm like half serious about it too he's probably I don't know. I don't know. He hurt his knee. I, and That reminds me. But I lived in Minneapolis for a while and I had this beautiful, oh my God, 
like factory, re- like I think it was a former mill and is beautiful condos, but you know, former factory. So you can hear everything in them. And when I was renting, I always made it a point to be on the top floor in the corner. So I have the least amount of neighbors bordering my walls. Mm-hmm. And in this particular case, I couldn't get an apartment. I couldn't get the condo on top. And I had to get this one where I was under uh, this guy, whatever. And he wore the fancy shoes, the clickety clackety shoes, you know. Oh, he's a tap dancer. Oh, my God. I mean, he could with the clickety clackety shoes. And in the morning, he would put them on too early before he left. And at night, he would leave them on forever. And at one point, I think I just lost it. ADHD completely raged through. And I went knocking on his door and I just looked at him. And now I can totally see how it came across because by the time you knock on their door, you've already gone through it. Oh, like, yeah. You, you're done. And so I just, he opened the door and I'm like, dude, could you take off your shoes? Like, that's all I said. I don't think I said, <laughs> hi, I'm the neighbor underneath. I literally just said, dude, you need to take off your shoes. Please do us the favor. And he's just staring at me and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I live in the apartment below you and I can hear you clickety clackety in the morning and you're clickety clackety at night. And it's really getting to me and it's turning me into a very, very not nice person. So I would like to be a nicer neighbor to you and not form this hate relationship with you. If you could do me a huge favor and just take them off when you come home. But, you know, so I get it. I get it. I get why you want it. But then you have the house and it's a disaster. Yeah. You should just kind of look, dog. I know you're doing flamenco up here, but you just need to stop. <laughs> I know you're auditioning for the, what are the Irish? Uh, river dance. River. I know you're auditioning for river dance, but come on, dude. Give it a rest. Yeah. No. My opening line was, dude, take off your shoes. Oh, my God. I remember it so well. But I so, mean, that's that goes into social interaction. It does. Masking and ADHD and autism and relationships. And I just, I don't know if you knew this. I think, of course, you know this because you're not a new ADHDer either. But boy, learning the difference between actual emotions and dopamine chasing. Oh, that was, a, that was an eye opener for me. I swear that was the biggest. Okay. This is, I think this is the most sensitive personal thing I'm going to share. And I think Should I cut the music for it. Is, well, like, is this like a music? Is this like a, no, cut the music type of thing? no, no, no. It's not a sad part. It's not even a, it is serious, but it's more, it's very personal, and I think it's, I think on some level, I'm a little embarrassed about it, but I'm trying to overcome guilt and shame. It's my newest thing. I'm trying. Feeling guilty and ashamed for being myself. I don't know if listener, I mean, it's not something you walk around advertising, but I lost my family, my mother, and my grandmother back to back a while ago, and 
what I went through, d despite the grief and all that stuff. But one thing that was very altering, kind of like an eye opening was the, this un the concept of unconditional love. And because usually the first person you experience it from is your parents, right? Your mother, your father, right? And that's who you learn through. And those are the people who perpetuate it throughout your life. Now, I'm not talking about toxic stuff here. I'm not talking about narcissistic parents, absent parent and abandonment and expectations and mother issues and father issues. Those all come and they manifest themselves in ways you can turn into somebody who mm -hmm. anxiously attaches or av the avoidant attachment, disorganized attachment when you have a little bit of both. But, but what was interesting was up until this year, I didn't realize what the difference was. I knew I had experienced love in life. I knew how to love people and receive love, but I had no clue about this unconditional part. Because I think for a lot of ADHDers, you experience so much rejection and negativity throughout your life. You have an automatic disposition. You're prone to go through very unhealthy relationships because you're the overgiver. You have so much empathy for someone who struggles with their emotions or with relationships because that is what you struggled with your whole life. So you have this weird, you won't give up on somebody and you keep letting them, letting them, letting them. So it was very interesting for me to have two incidences this year back to back. And one was dopamine chasing and the other was the feeling of unconditional love. And for the first time, I saw the difference because they happened almost parallel. And so it was eye-opening. And all of a sudden, this term that you see on social media, like dopamine chasing, when you follow ADHD accounts and all that stuff, like dopamine chasing, dopamine chasing, you know, all of a sudden it made sense how that was one thing. And it can look almost the same. But the interesting part is when you're done with the dopamine, it also drastically stops. Like you can be obsessed with something, someone, a game or whatever it is, whether it's a person or a thing or a hobby or whatever activity, you can be obsessed with and it can instantly stop. Your interest can instantly stop because you're done with the dopamine chasing. Like it's not up your alley or something. I, I don't know how to else to explain it. It's like you have a very quick onset of being obsessed with something and then all of a sudden it can stop just as easily. But then with the unconditional part of it, I realized I'm like, it's not stopping. Why? And that's when I realized what the difference was. And the only reason why I knew was because I had felt the same feeling years back and I could draw a comparison. And it was so eye-opening to un finally understand the concept of not just unconditional love, but dopamine chasing, what it really looks like. And that for me was a total game changer, how we chase things and activities and people 
because of dopamine deficiency, you know, and then all of a sudden you learn what the difference is. And and I think if if I hadn't had that experience years prior, I wouldn't have been able to draw the comparison. But it was so transformative that I realized it this year that it truly changed my life. I truly think that doesn't mean I'm an expert at it. Let's be very real here. <laughs> but that was very interesting. And that showed me, I think that was finally the lesson I needed to understand how difficult it is for neurodiverse people to have relationships. It was finally yeah, one of those well, things where, where I go, oh, maybe I shouldn't be so hard on myself. This is difficult for me. Yeah. And, and you bring up that term unconditional, right? To me, I don't know if that exists. Um, it does. Well, the only reason I say that is because these people that you love, is there anything that they could do that would be a condition for you not loving them? Nope. And that was the thing. That okay. that was that's what the lesson was. It was I couldn't understand why the feeling continued despite and that was the switch that kind of went over and I'm like, oh, this isn't like it doesn't matter what that person does. And that was like this 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 separation of like, oh my god, that's not dopamine chasing anymore. That that is like a feeling it's never gonna go away. It's no, oh, I get it that. Doesn't. It's it's there's just this like for me there's a hang up in my mind about the semantics right unconditional there's no condition by which right like i think for me having a very low threshold or high threshold or however you want to look at it right like if my wife killed a person i would it's funny need... that you went to murder because that's my first thought that i had when you said no condition i'm like right well, right that, i mean because i mean that's probably one of the most egregious things that anyone could do is take the life of another human being and so if my wife killed a person for example i would need to know a couple things before i would decide whether or not that is circumstance motive all those things before mm -hmm. i decide whether or not that is a condition for which i choose to no longer love that person if my son grows up to be a terrible person i think i would still You're love them like in failure. spite of that i would feel like failure but i would probably still love them in spite of that and i feel like that is true like there is no condition by which i would not love mm -hmm. my son but for a romantic partner i think that there's a, a different it's not just romantic well no romantic partners or friends friendship even parental relationships you know if my parents killed somebody i'd have a pretty hard time reconciling that in my mind too right like i think the term unconditional is i think just such a precious term to me but i also think that a parent's love is also another level i think that's another form of unconditional love. I think there's unconditional love and then there's the love you have for your child. I think that's a very, from what I've been told, it is very, very different. And as I observe it, it is very, and as I experienced it from my own mother, it's very different than unconditional love in general, I think. Now, of course, it, it is the same. It's just, I think the term in itself is very precious yes and i don't use it for a lot of things definitely not and i reserve it for very very special things and people and circumstances and you know but up until this year i didn't even know that i didn't know what it was 
And so I think we grow up with this idea of it and then something drastically happens and the love fades, right? And I think that's what you're speaking to is there really no condition that can break that. And when I experienced it in the form of being able to draw comparisons and then also with the big loss I had in my life, all of a sudden I was really able to see it to our listeners. They are getting a full blast of how ADHDers talk to each other tonight. I mean, we went from unconditional love. Yeah, the span of conversation topics here, which I have about three more that I want to get to. And this is also exactly. part of the struggle. It's like holding these in my head right now. I'm looking for the segues. All right, we can work towards these. Uh <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, I mean, to close that, it was very interesting for me because you get told in therapy and you experience it throughout life. Relationships are very hard and it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. I went full blown in my accent there. Hard. But until you have that light bulb moment, I needed that light bulb moment to finally understand it. And I think learning the difference to dopamine chasing, to stop dopamine chasing people and things that maybe aren't what's needed and stop collecting for it. So one of the things that you had brought up was this sudden onset of chasing dopamine and sort of having this, I guess, sudden interest in something, trying to almost like trying to exhaust that interest through dopamine hits. And and it's chasing that interest in in an effort to dopamine hit. And what I wrote in my chat to Heidi just now for everyone listening is collecting things for de- delayed dopamine hits. And what I meant by this is right now, I am not in a reading phase. However, I have about 12 books behind me Oh my god, the that have collection. gone unread. And I've been collecting them since they've come out. And I know there's going to be another phase where... I'm like, ooh, I need to absorb everything. And this is the same for like chasing dopamine when it comes to Star Wars for me. That's my thing, obviously. Um, Have that full out on display. (laughs) Just like observing behaviors and people, right? That's kind of the point that I wanted to make or or a question I wanted to ask you is, do you have anything that you repeatedly come to as like one of those wave dopamine hits that you collect for in the interim? Like I just have these on pre-order as they come out, because I know at some point I'm going to go through and just read them. I've had several phases like that in my life where I get obsessed with reading again. It's like the, these return hobbies, these return dopamine chase hits. Do you have anything Music. like that in your life? Okay. Music. Definitely. I mean, thank you for bringing, that's a good segue for me. Music. I used to sing I used to be in a band. I used to collect vinyls. I went back to my vinyl collection this year, and I'm very excited about it. I used to play instruments as a kid, but let's be very real. That was horrible. Horrible. I played the flute. What is it? A flautist? Are they called a flautist? Flutist? Sounds right. Sounds right. I don't know. I wouldn't know because I quit. (laughs) But I was horrible. Oh, my God. And I'm currently trying to teach myself how to play guitar. And it's got many nuances why I picked the guitar. Maybe it has to do with the failure episode because I failed at it when I was younger. And the funny part is I don't fail at it because I don't have coordination. I fail at it because 
Oh my god. Does the dopamine run out before you get good at it? That. (laughs) And then, because there's no instant gratification. There's no instant gratification with guitar playing. Like, no. mm -mm, Nothing. I mean, the patience you have to have for that and the endurance to get good at it, to feel like you're doing anything good on that thing is just hilarious. As an ADHD, I don't know why I'm trying to learn. Well, I do. So the point why I'm trying to learn it is because of the perimenopause, my ADHD symptoms have amped and I really have a hard time concentrating and memory. So it was suggested to me that I learn an instrument because it helps you to stay active in your brain and all this stuff. And since I have such a love for music, it would be something that I my my dopamine could stay attached to, you know. Uh And so I did that. And what I'm now finding out is that I'm failing, failing, no pun intended, but I'm failing at the same thing that I always failed at. And that is, I just don't remember how to read music, the notes. Okay. So this actually is a really interesting thing that you bring up here, learning how to do really complex tasks that I want to talk about this because it's... But let me just finish finish that for a second. Finish your thought. So I actually and i want to hear this from you because if you have any tips so i've actually learned this three times in my life already i've learned how to read notes and read music and i actually knew how to write music too i just keep forgetting because if it's not practiced as an adhd or you often if you don't practice Mm -hmm. something you don't keep something you have to relearn it all it's so stupid you have to learn something you used to be good at all over again as if you're a beginner and it doesn't come back to you easily and now that i'm trying to learn that i'm sitting there and watching youtube videos and i'm like this is stupid why do i have to learn this all over again so the reason i bring up learning is because this is something that's really cool the the new meta quest 3 came out i have the quest Mm -hmm. 2 and There is an app that some developer made that is a really cool concept for folks who don't like, I can read music, but it takes me a very long, painstaking amount of time to do it, right? So this developer created this app for somebody who wanted to learn the piano. The big thing with the Quest 3 is that it has pass-through AR, augmented reality, and you could put this thing on, okay? And it's an app that reads the sheet music and translates it to keys on the piano that then overlay it in AR. So you're not only learning how to play, how to how read, but you're also, because you map it to the to the keyboard, to the piano. And that works in the guitar too, for the strings? No, but I'm getting it. <laughs> so. <laughs> then why are you telling me this? So for those who want to learn like piano, you could strap a headset on and look at the overlays and you get that instant gratification because you can see your fingers pressing the keys as like the keys are coming towards you it shows you how long to press them down very cool and i'd recommend anyone go check it out but what i'm saying here is that for guitar yes it's different because you do chords but can you imagine if there was some visual representation in a similar manner where you could look at when to strum and when to chord and how to chord on the neck and where to chord for a song that you like. And then you could just kind of visually learn it as it's coming towards you and you try to match it with the beat and you can at least try to get the finger positioning correct for something like that, right? So I'm just saying it's an idea that 
may exist in the future. Sounds like a, yeah, sounds like a great idea. The only thing that instantly popped in my head is my challenge with mirror. So the piano, it would put the AR on the piano and the piano is in front of you. You don't right. have to reverse it in your head. The guitar, you would be looking at a picture. Right. Because you can't look down. Like, I don't know how you can look down at your guitar and look at the... I mean, if it has a way to put but here's, lights on here's the, the thing. Straight. That's what I'm saying is that it, since it's augmented reality, you could project even finger saying. placement. You could even project yeah. finger placement onto where your fingers need to be for that chord. And if you wanted to just learn chords, you could map a chord onto the neck of the guitar to where you match your fingers to the virtual fingers that are yeah. overlaying that guitar. Yeah. And and you could at least get the chords down and then the timing would come later as, you know, you could have some sort of like visual representation, almost like Guitar Hero, where you have different chords coming up and you strum yeah. as they hit the the guitar you know and so i'm saying that might be a very interesting solution to this problem that you're presenting about how to learn music because it's something that i've like that alone is almost a killer app for me to want to buy the quest 3 to relearn my love of piano I'm, i mean i don't know how to buy a piano keyboard i don't know how to get it into this house here i feel like I'm not introducing anything expensive to this house anymore. But I went to Goodwill and got one for $35. <laughs> oh, you suck. Like, and it's, not, it's nothing I professional. I could go to Goodwill just... and I wouldn't even find a great pair of pants. The fact that you find a piano there is just ridiculous. That's a keyboard um, and it's nothing special, but it's enough for me to practice on. But you know what's interesting about that? Because if I could overcome that, I bet I'd good i don't know if i'd be good at playing but i tell you one thing i'd be good at i would never forget a song again our long-term memory for details autistic wise and adhd wise you can't beat that the detail in which we remember nah. Oops, that's oh not... look at that hey barry hello team how are you doing hey good Aww. man how are you it's such a I'm... pleasure to see you i'm very tired if i'm brutally honest so i won't be tagging around too long yes i've had a full day of chf council meeting and chairing that and then we've had a lovely dinner this evening and generally just lots of hf chat and it's Are now half out? i'm not hf'd out but the but there was He's there was a lot of up. talk yeah well HF'd yeah no, i'm motivated up. and jazzed to do the camera quality of this laptop is appalling isn't it but, uh, well, it makes you look very, very, very polished. Okay, so I'll be using this camera more often then. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, I've also got to be careful because I'm in I'm in a hotel now. I don't know who's in the rooms next to me, so oh, I don't know whether cares? you know. I, I, well, I will go banging banging on my door and sort of saying, "Will you be quiet?" Because it's half past eleven at night here. They might they're all watching the stream. Anyone who's anyone's in in human factors. Well, that's true. Yeah. Right so yes. all, they, they know that you're on, and they you get grace. <laughs> uh -huh. do you have a good dopamine chasing story um is there any go-to that, go to that you go to for instant gratification <sighs> like i go to music 
Um, I mean, I could buy oh. 20 vinyls in one day and I wouldn't even feel guilty about it. I got to tell you. No, so I, I think my instant gratification comes from, well, I think probably just food, if I'm honest, given yeah. that the size of I mean, I think that's probably an obvious yeah, thing to say. That. But I mean, music's an interesting one for me because I love music when it's on, but I don't. You know, if I, if I I have to make a conscious effort to put it on, but when I put it on, I really like it. But I keep forgetting that I like it, if that makes sense. And it's just Me really too. weird. Oh my um, god, we're having a bonding moment. I keep forgetting that I'm effective working when listening to music, and I keep forgetting that I have hundreds of vinyls and a vinyl player and a record player, and I have a remote control in my nightstand, and I still forget it yeah i've got spotify subscriptions we've got now all the stuff so i have access to all the quite frankly 90s dance music that i need to lay my hands on it's the 80s and uh, i just had my spotify unwrapped and everything just popped out with the same five things across every single genre because i might be a creature of habit in many ways as much as i hate everything being nailed down and i have to have i like complexity of things there is still a level of I I still have my things that I go back to all the time and I hate changing things. It's it, it's complex. <laughs> I mean, the sheer obsession I have with if I mention my bands, people are just okay. Tears for Fears, Depeche Mode, Cut and Crew. What's the latest? Oh, Phil Collins. I bought this. I don't know what was happening that day. I bought all these like, random, to me, unknown, obviously, to somebody who loves that genre. It's like, would know everything, right? But all these uh, 60s, 50s, 60s, jazz and soul, slight R&B into the 70s, right? And I'm listening to it as if it was like, dropped yesterday, just <laughs> with an obsession. And some of these vinyls that I have, there's water stains on them. They're so old. You know how old mm. records smell? And I'm just like, as if it's the latest Taylor Swift album. Just the way I listen to Tears for Fears is, you could think that they're the biggest band on the planet <laughs> currently. Well, at the time. <laughs> I was going to say, well, at, the time. at the time. Yeah. <laughs> And the, then the slight obsession I have with bands from the 80s that no one knew at the one or two or three albums, and they're out. Oh, Do you guys, good ones. you guys care to play a game? Oh, oh please. Can I, can I bring <gasps> up a game? music? No, no, no. No, no, no. This, mm, this, no. So this actually spawned a thing. So I got this game. I got this game. For me, one of my more recent chases has been buying and purchasing board games. One of the games that I got I recently it. is called You're Getting Old. And so the idea here is that you increase in value if you have done the thing on the card and you decrease, you redeem yourself if you have done this presumably younger thing. And one of the presumably younger things, as we're talking about bands, and this is why I thought of it, apparently young people wear bands, t shirts that they've never heard of, unironically, as just a mm -hmm. I know what. Okay, this so, is so weird. My, my, my son, my son does. My fourteen-year-old I'm gonna go grab the game. I'll be right back. You get the game. No, my son Your does son? this. He's he's fourteen years old, and he's really into vinyl music. He's got his oh, post. His his walls are littered with sort of seventies, eighties music genres and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, it's that. 
in fact, talking to some of the friends and stuff, we were talking about, because we, we like to do a theme party every year, sort of around Halloween. And then we're like, oh, what, what, what sort of theme could we do next year? And they sort of turned and said, oh, we could do a 90s theme party. I'm like, you can't have a 90s theme party because that was like yesterday. It's got to go back Oops. in history. And then it's like, yesterday. oh, that wasn't yesterday, was it? That, that's, mm-hmm. oh dear. All right. And I was like, so what does 90s fashion look like? And it's not, for me, that's My not fashion. Closet. It's just what we were wearing. You know, it's it's there. And uh, But no, apparently that, that that's a thing now. So I, I now feel very dated. All right. Y'all ready for this? All right, I'm going to pull out a couple of these cards. Who's so keeping score here? Just, just so... doing this properly. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, maybe. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the song Sledgehammer? Yes, I do, but don't yes. sing it because I don't want to get. <laughs> you don't want to get <laughs> it in your head. Okay, this is okay. This is going to be really embarrassing for us, but here's so this is the game. It's called You're Getting Old. Okay, uh-huh. and it's just the a bunch of these cards. Don't need a game for that, I know. And on it, like I said, there is. What I will do is I'll read the old at the top. There's something on the card, and then you redeem yourself by having the bottom thing which is like young people stuff so here's what i'll do we'll just play a couple rounds for fun you let me know if we want to keep going or not the idea here uh-huh. is that with this this is the scorecard you would increment it all the way up till 10 is that food on there it's a game controller a phone wine oh i'm done with wine avocado yeah. toast is number three a fanny pack a wine cargo shorts a, oh it's all the things that they're coming up with again you, you you basically age. This, these are has as you age, you get to the minivan and then you get to the white sneakers. Anyway, so here's what we'll do, just for the sake of this, is if we've done the old thing, we'll raise our hands, mm-hmm. and then as I re- read the redeem, those who have not done the redeem or can answer it, and then if we've done the redeem, <laughs> then we we pull down our hand. Okay, so do I just put my hand up and just leave it there now? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Here, here we go. This first one here. You said, "quote I think the stock market." I what? You I said think... the words, "quote I think the stock market." <laughs> okay. You redeem yourself if if something is on fleek. What does that mean? On fleek. It's awesome. It's like fashionable. It's, it's... It's no on fleek means it's like hot. It's it's trending. Yeah. Like it's cool. Fashionable. Right? Surely. The 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 problem here is that it doesn't give me an answer. So you have to like oh. know what it actually is. So I don't know what it is. That sucks. I'm guessing. I think it's I'm redeemed. Yeah, I, yeah, I was gonna say I think right. ID you're closer. Yeah. All right, all right. Next one here. <clears throat> <laughs> okay, I'm doing that now. No, okay. okay. You've, all right. <laughs> you've said, quote, how do I make the text bigger? <laughs> I did that today. All right, all right, all right. Re- redeem I, yourself. I the font on my phone. Okay, okay. Re- redeem, redeem yourself if you call your significant other ugly, but not as an insult. I would never do that. I don't care if it's a trend. I, 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 I value my life too much. Oh, see, I would say like. <laughs> I would never call the person I love ugly. Well, I, I don't would, care I if that's say a trend like, or not. Ugly crying or something like that. So I, no. I, I'm giving myself the redeem on that's that one. That's just unkind language. You, you can have, I'm proud not to have that redeem. Okay. I, I, in fact, I'm going to ring my wife and tell her that I don't have that redeem and I'm proud of it. All right. Yes, all right. and you'll right. actually you get okay, bonus ready. points for that. Yes. Here we go. All right. Old, you point out cool looking birds while on walks. Nope. No. Not really? No. Okay, no. okay, cool. We all we all survived that one. The redeem was you learned the Gangnam style dance. 
Oh, did that? Yeah, exactly. In fact, YouTube evidence where I performed it. We got to find that. Right. Now, <laughs> now I will point out beautiful things in nature. I just won't point out birds. Birds. Okay. All right. You ready? Oh, do you have a trick for peeling hard-boiled eggs? Yeah. All right. It's not a trick. It's just the way it's done. All right. <laughs> Redeem yourself if you found all the answers to an online quiz by Googling the question. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's what Google's there for. No, my hand stays up. No. Well, I can't be. That's the ADHD. I can't be interested long enough to have okay. to Google answers. All right. So next one here. Okay. Old. You are no longer disappointed when people give you socks as a gift. Totes. I get excited. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm in. I'm in. I'm back. Me socks for Christmas. Here you go. All right. All right. Redeem yourself if you use ironic humor as a coping mechanism. Oh, cool. <laughs> if you well, use dude, what? Ironic humor as a coping mechanism. To that's be fair, I'm... young people stuff. No, that's, that's British stuff. That's, that's, that's German. That's what we do. <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> it's just what we do, yes. All right, y'all ready for the next one? Old, you've turned your head too quick and hurt your neck. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> on a daily basis. Oh, come on. Redeem yourself if you know what a doja cat is. Is that the same? Oh, I, I think I. Oh, is it? Okay, I, yeah, I think I've heard of it, but I've got no idea what, what sort of contact. The musical artist. All right. Oh, by the way, I wanted to say something with the food earlier, Barry. You said dopamine chasing with food. Mm -hmm. I also wanted to say for listeners who are slowly the discovering that they might have ADHD or something like that. ADHDers are known to either chronically overeat, binge eat, or not eat at all. Okay, so we don't know a happy medium, which is why ADHDers struggle with weight a lot throughout their life. See, we are going through this ADHD journey at the moment as well, because without children getting going into mainstream education, therefore getting diagnosed and stuff, which, which we haven't had before, and also then realizing that there's genetic links there and yeah. then both me and my wife going through our own process of oh that's us oh that's i and then but we do have different traits which we just both having amusement yeah. in trying to work out our because amanda has the very much is late to everything oh. which is a obviously a typical trait whereas yeah. i'm super early to everything and i will happily take i hate being late and both them yeah. are perfectly viable traits in, 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 in the spectrum well, it's, let it's, me ask it's a journey let me ask you this. You're early because when you have an appointment, the six hours leading to your appointment, you can't do anything, right? Because you're so mm -hmm. focused on getting there, like being yep. on time. Yep. So that's the so, other side of it. I swing both ways. I can be late perpetually. I'm happy that finally I managed to get it down to like a few minutes. But I can also swing the complete opposite way where if I have a really important appointment that day, I can't do anything hours leading up to it yeah well i sort of have this thing around so today's a great example that i didn't need to be here until because the meeting didn't start till 11 o'clock i didn't therefore need to be here really before half 10 because we've already done a lot of the prep and i just need to rock up make sure i've got everything ready mm -hmm. to meet people come to the meeting so therefore in my head they'd actually 
half 10 he's cutting it fine because of traffic it might be a problem therefore 10 o'clock therefore it took me an hour and a quarter to the map it was telling me about now and a quarter to get to from the hotel I was in to where I'm at now. So that means sort of nine o'clock start. Well, actually, I got up at, I woke up at six o'clock and then couldn't get back to sleep. And I was like, I could have another longer nap, but actually I was then too stressed out thinking, well, actually, what happens if there's more traffic? What happens if I need to leave early? What happens if there's something else? Because I haven't had breakfast yet. So what happens if I need to stop, stop along the way and maybe have something to eat? So there I ended up leaving at 7.30. Why don't you just go now and get there so that way you don't have to worry about getting there and then you can Pretty do everything much. before the meeting, but then you can't because the meeting's coming up and you should probably prepare for it, even though you're... Yeah, no, totes. And then the HD um, spiral and a half, huh? Yes, it was. Uh, this morning was certainly a bit, all because I knew I didn't need to leave until eight thirty, but I had no idea how to fill that time because all I was thinking about was the need to leave, which was really irritating. Of course it is. It always is. Nick, what was the go. one you were laughing at so much that? You oh, I I just wanted to show you. This is this is uh, is that reversed for y'all? It is yeah. reversed. I, I I can't read backwards the best times. Can you uh, read it? Hold on. I can hang on. I might be able to re reverse it here. Uh... You could just read it to us, Mister AI. All right. Yeah, it says you wear a band T-shirt with no knowledge of the artist. That's what started this whole thing. Oh, Heidi, have you gone? Back to vinyl, then. Have you been through the entire cycle? Have you gone sort of tape, CD, MP3, and then you've circled your way back to vinyl? That would be funny, but no. I've always collected vinyl. As a teenager, I already had vinyls. It doesn't mean that I didn't have mixtapes and cassette tapes and yeah, CDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I probably... So do you remember in the 80s when we had the, the little suitcases with CDs mm -hmm. in them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I still have three of those. Well, then. Yeah, they're and they're still full. <laughs> and I had to buy a new CD player because I was like, I have over 300 CDs, I think. And wow. I refuse to not be able to listen to them. With my music collection, I went to digital as soon as I possibly could, mainly because I loved the idea about being, I've got this thing about, if I'm listening to a bunch of music that I like I sort of got this thing about singing them maybe the first 10 seconds and then skip to the next song and then doing that for about 10-15 seconds then the next song and then the next song and the next song without listening to them all the way through drives my wife and kids up the wall but yeah these are the two that I'm currently playing on right one. repeat I don't know how many times a day I think I've said tears for fears it's a, it's a a given. times yeah. now I think we got it but Nina. Okay. In English, I think it's 99 red balloons. Oh, 99 red balloons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. In German, yeah. 99 Schluffballons. Mm -hmm. uh, just slips off the tongue. Yeah. 99 Schluffballons. Okay. <laughs> Nine, okay. Let me enunciate it better in German. 99 Schluffballons. But in my diet, 99 Schluffballons. Okay. So I'm screaming that at the top of my lung, which actually helps with ADHD because we are not good with our diaphragms. So singing actually helps you. The other one is Nina Simone. Oh, okay. Yeah. A Quality. sea line woman. And yep. where the intro to this is like, it's almost like hypnotizing. Like, okay. oh my God. <laughs> I, I take, I, I do what I'm not supposed to, and I hate that I do it. I take the needle, I place it.
because I just like hearing the beginning over and over and over and over and over again. And you know, I thought this was going to a very dark place when you said I take the needle. And so I think with that, we're going to wrap up for today. And uh, thank you all for joining us. And Barry, thanks for jumping on midstream. Appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> great to be Why back, are we you know? already ending? Because it is four o'clock. I know it's already over. Maybe we can do this again next week. Maybe we can alternate Maybe with hangouts and podcasts or something. Yeah, I don't know. And it's midnight here, so I need to go to bed. And, yeah, and, Barry's got and stuff to do. Well, before we go, I do want to say one thing because this was very important for me to spread some hope. So it is holiday season, and a lot of people get depressed during this time, and feel very lonely and out of place. And I think neurodiverse people feel it extremely more. So there's a lot of online forums you can join. There's a lot of accounts you can follow. There's obviously the mental health hotline, but I just want everybody to know that you're not alone. And if you feel, if you know you're neurodiverse, you already feel it. And if you feel different, it maybe is worth a shot to go and talk to somebody because you don't have to live with the misery inside your head. So, cause there's a very dark part on this stuff too. And I just want everybody to know that you're not alone. Find me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to chat with you. If I can help one soul feel better through this, then I'll be happy. So seconded. Yeah. I, I will add on to that too. I'm at a very dark kind of tough point in my life and I wouldn't have made it through. I don't think without the support of friends, like I, the, <laughs> I think Heidi, the day after I lost my job, we hopped on a call and you were going through your network, like extensively saying, Oh, we can reach yeah. out to this person, that person, this person. And just having people that you can talk to is a, a big thing. So Second to Heidi's point, if you need anybody to reach out to, yeah, I'm also there too. Just know that sometimes, very too, and and no, sometimes something as little as that can change somebody's life. For me, it wasn't a big thing to jump on a call with you and go through my network and see if we could find someone you could reach out to. That was not a big thing to me. So sometimes, remember, people, sometimes so small for you can be such a big deal for somebody else, and you can really brighten their life with it and that is why I do try to tell people how important they are in my life and remind them that I love them and that they don't forget that even if they don't want to hear it and even if they don't want to talk to me I don't care I'm still going to remind them because sometimes getting that text or getting that message from somebody can really change the course the direction you take all right folks that's it for today I hope you enjoyed Nick and I's chat on our own neurodiversity. And as always, please share your thoughts with us and comment wherever you're listening to today's discussion. And please show us some love and support the show and leave us a five-star review and tell all your friends about us. And one more thing. During this time of year, it is easy to get lost in the busyness of it all running last-minute errands, jumping from one holiday event to another, engaging in social interactions with extended family, acquaintances, friends, and loved ones we don't get to see regularly, sleeping less, indulging more. The stress and overwhelm is almost inevitable. 
Please remember that during this time of year, some of us find it hard to join in on the cheer and celebrate. Lost loved ones, difficult times, unfortunate circumstances. There are many reasons why some of us might be struggling more, especially during this time of year. It is therefore all the more important that we take care of and show grace to ourselves and the people around us. So, be kind to yourself and one another. We know from research that kindness and our mental health are deeply connected. The research shows that kindness is an antidote to isolation and creates a sense of belonging. It helps reduce stress, brings a fresh perspective, and deepens friendships and connections. Empathy, grace, gratitude, and kindness aren't just some fashionable trends to engage in. They can be the reason someone makes it through the most difficult time of year. The reason someone doesn't lose all hope. The reason someone finds their smile and joy again and is reminded that in fact they are not alone and love is indeed all around us after all. Be that reason for someone. Be someone's sunshine during this time of year. Thank you again for listening to Nick and I's chaotic and hopefully insightful all over the place ADHD zigzagging about how we see and process the world. As for me, I've been your host, Heidi Merzad, and you can find me across all social media at HFUX Research, as well as our show's social media at Safe Effective Podcast. Happy holidays, everyone. And of course, as always, until next time, stay safe and effective. And here's to 2024. Thank you for a wonderful 2023, everyone.